At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Media Roundtable Day, and we have two of our regulars. Chad Finn is the sports media writer and columnist for the Boston Globe. Also does a lot of general sports writing as well. Boston Red Sox fade and uh, has taken certainly a lot of his time. He does have the Celtics, which look like a preseason favorite. and We'll see how the Patriots do. Austin Karp is, of course, the managing editor slash digital. For the Sports Business Journal, the uh, influential and essential outlet covering sports business in the United States. And I'm pleased to be joined by Chad Finn and Austin Karp. Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks, Rich. I'm excited to be here, Richard. Like, super excited. All right. We got a lot of topics, guys, um, that I sent you in advance, so I'm excited to talk about. I know that both of you... um, checked out Amazon's Thursday Night Football broadcast. Now, I don't know if I would call it the debut because to me, like, I feel like like their regular season is, like, to me, officially their debut. That said, this is the first time we saw Amazon Thursday Night Football under their new exclusive deal under uh, their new broadcasters and Kirk Herbstreet, Kaylee Hartung, and Al Michaels, their new behind-the-scenes people, like, Freddie Goodelli and Pierre Musa and Betsy Riley, and obviously the pregame show with Carissa Thompson, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Richard Sherman, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So let me start with you, um, Austin. Um, general impressions of what you saw and why? Well, you know, once I got past ordering all my sponges and toothbrushes and bed sheets, I flipped over to the game, and I liked it. I thought it was it was it had that gravitas of a significant NFL presentation. You feel that when you have Al Michaels, you know, you're getting grade a, when you hear somebody like Herb street, I liked the graphics packages. I thought it was cute. I thought it was good branding for them to have that Amazon arrow point during, you know, on the, on the down markers, like, you know, third and five where the arrow points from the three to the five. Like, you know, I thought that was cute. I thought that was well executed. They had a rules analyst. They had all the things you would expect from a grade a presentation. And it was a good start for them. Yeah, I'm going to get into this too. What about you, Chad? General first impressions, and then we'll go into some more specifics. Yeah, I'd love to uh, argue with him, but I, I felt the same way. I mean, I think this Michaels kid has a future. Um, 
yeah. it's a good one. Yeah, still sounds sounds like Al to me, who for my money is uh, he would be my my number one pick through the years for for someone to call a uh, NFL game out of all of them. Um, so good to hear him sounding like Al and. I didn't think they stepped on each other at all, which is pretty remarkable. I don't know how many reps or if they did any practice run-throughs or anything like that, but um, seemed like they had been together for a while and they were familiar with each other's uh, each other's style. And uh, probably more of a credit to Al than it is Herb Street because he's the one directing traffic. But I, I was impressed. All right, so I think we're all in agreement um, here. To me, the broadcast um, it sounded big. Like it sounded like a network broadcast, which I think like sort of first and foremost, if you were Amazon, you invested all this money in, in on-air talent, you invested all this money in behind-the-scenes talent. And so what you what you hoped for was like, does this feel like 425 CBS Fox? Does this feel like Sunday Night Football? And to me, it did. The, I thought the game broadcast was excellent. Uh, like you guys said, I thought Al and Kirk uh, felt like, like, you know, a mid-season for a team that had been around for a long time. They got Kaylee Hartung involved early, which I thought was really smart just to get her some reps and uh, um, to get the audience um, to get the audience used to her. The graphics were so on point. Uh, Betsy Riley, uh, a longtime producer at Sunday Night Football, now with Amazon, is the was the point person for that. Those were, you know, these are things that I think a lot of uh, football fans, they don't even realize they're watching it, but they're really important. And, you know, very easy to read score bug, really um, well-defined graphics. I thought, like, just the look of the game was really, really good. Um, I thought it was sharp. So as a game broadcast, I thought it was really, really good. I'm gonna, I want to get you guys on the pregame in a second. The the one, um, I don't even have criticism the right words. So, you know, the, the one thing I did note, and I was probably um, – I was probably uh, um, influenced by my colleague Tim Kawakami at the Athletic. Was Herb Street sort of did get on the quote unquote Bay Media, uh, Bay Area Media for Jimmy Garoppolo? And there's a lot of people in the Bay Area Media who have been very supportive of Garoppolo. This is a Niners decision, so you know you don't want to get into like it's so easy, especially geez in the United States in 2022 to quote unquote blame the media. And anybody who's listening to this podcast should know there's no such thing as the capital M media. It's not a homogeneous entity. The the person covering high school football in Grand Forks uh, of the Dakotas is is not the same as Anderson Cooper. Like it's just like that's just not the reality of. I hate it when it's media blaming the media. Kirk Kirk's in the media. yeah He's not the Ohio State quarterback anymore. But you, it's like you you know that unfortunately there's a there's a very easy. One of the e- I'll just be blunt with the audience. One of the most easy sells in the history of sell is to be a big time media person or a media person and to blame the media. Where you where you pretend that you are not part of the media when you got a CAA agent and a pent a Fifth Avenue penthouse and you're taking corporate cars to your uh, studio on uh, uh you know uh, <laughs> West Fifty Second as we so all do. You, of course, yeah, so. but you don't. Have, but Chad, you're you're right, you are right in this. It's just it's one of the. I mean, it's it's done on political shows all the time. It's infuriating, but it's like one of the easiest sell jobs. Like to do is to like sort of convince an audience that you're the outsider, that you're not quote unquote part of the media when you absolutely are. I'm one of you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're one of me, but you know you're getting paid ten million dollars a year by by Lachlan Murdoch. So like relax. Um, secondly, want to get to the pregame. Austin, 
Um, and I had some thoughts on this. I don't know if you watched the pregame or not or the halftime. What'd you think of that? I thought it, I like Fitzpatrick. I think he's going to be really good on this. I mean, I wonder if he stays, if he develops himself and he stays kind of, you know, the Ryan Fitzpatrick that we all got to know the, with the eccentricities. I think he'll build, him, he'll build himself up to maybe in an even bigger package or you know something on a Fox or an NBC down the road. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, you kind of get, you know, you know what you're getting there. He's done it before for a couple of networks. So it, he just kind of delivers. He's a pro about it. But, you know, I, I like having somebody outside the box like Ryan Fitzpatrick. What about you, Chad? Yeah, he's terrific. I mean, uh, fairly familiar with him here in New England because he, uh, you may have heard he played at Harvard. I think they mentioned that every possession of his entire NFL career, but uh, bounced around the AFC East forever. I think the Patriots are the only team he didn't play for. So uh, dealt a lot with him in a football capacity through the years. And uh, he's always one of the most thoughtful, um, forthcoming and, and introspective players. So and with a great sense of humor. So I thought it was a terrific hire in the first place and uh uh, pretty good debut there. Um, Gonzalez is what he is. Uh, we, we saw him in CBS uh, uh, all those years. And uh, uh, you know, telegenic guy for sure. Um, good natured, but uh, isn't going to say a whole lot that you remember uh, once the game's over. Um, but I, 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 I think, uh, you know, watching the entire broadcast, pregame show, game, and uh, the aftermath, it, I, I felt like I was watching the uh, Sunday Night Football broadcast in a lot of ways. I think Goodelli's probably a big part of that, obviously having Al there. But uh, that's the standard bearer for sports television right now in terms of uh, the ratings that it gets, the viewership it gets, and the production quality through the years. So uh, I don't think you can really pay Amazon a, a higher compliment for a debut than to say it reminds you of um, – you know, something that's been extraordinarily successful for well, this might not be a the A package of games, but they're definitely putting in an A effort. They're they hired the right producers, they hired the right very and I think it's very important, the right PR staff. They hired a lot of people that had NFL broadcast network experiences. Your you know, your Tim Buckmans, your Alana Russo's, your Harrison Boys. I mean, that to me that's a lot of inside yeah. uh, baseball there. But you know, these people have worked a long time on NFL PR and everyone was ready and the broadcast was ready. And, you know, they were just ready for this. Yeah, first of all, Austin, on this podcast, you never have to apologize for dropping PR. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that will get you, like, far more invites. Um, all the people that you mentioned in Power Relations, uh, I have a lot of respect for. Although I will say this. If you were going to do a ranking of Alana Russo's favorite publications right now, <laughs> let's go Wall Street Journal 1, New York Post Sports Business Journal, tied for two. And then everybody else, Chad Finn, Richard Deitch, the rest of those people. I mean, that went down in the, the 40s. So yeah, <laughs> Amazon. Uh, I've been dare, you know, dealing with Harrison for the most part. Yeah. Have you? All right, good. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. Um, so I appreciate all those comments. And I think um, you are dead on that the best compliment you could give this production is that it really did look and feel like Sunday Night Football. Where I will push back on you guys a little bit is the pregame. But let me just sort of be very clear with people listening. Like, I am i did not write about Amazon's pregame, nor would I. I don't know if you uh, did, Chad, and I don't know if, uh, if Oran did for – or anybody else for you guys, Austin. But, like, to me, like, it, it's useless to write about a, 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 a pre, like a pregame 
uh, uh, like how a pregame was because like I respect the production enough that they are just trying to work out like whatever they are. We always end up writing about the first regular season game, and I understand that. But whatever the first regular season game is won't even be what they are. That'll be, you know, 20th game or 35th game or 19th game. It's just, you know, like everything else, you, you know, if you're an accountant, like your first day on the job is not going to be good as your 300th day. I think the pregame show is a big work in progress. Um, it certainly looked good. You guys mentioned the people I have on there. I think Chris Thompson's always a solid host. Um Fitzpatrick does seem like, you know, he ha- he can have some interesting things to say. Same thing with Richard Sherman. No disrespect to Tony Gonzalez, but like I, I just I'm not getting anything as a viewer um from Tony Gonzalez, though I certainly respect his 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 football career is obviously a Hall of Famer. So that that's where I think's a work in progress. I kind of like want to know what is that show gonna be. Um and my my if I was like a consultant for them, which I obviously am not. What I think they should try to do is they should try to do their best after the game to make that the most interesting experience. I don't know how many people are going to come to Amazon's pregame before the game, but if you can do stuff where, you know, maybe you get a viral moment after the game, or maybe Fitzpatrick and Sherman have a really good by play after the game, it's not going to be obviously inside the NBA. Nothing is, but that's to me like what you have a chance for. You know, like maybe you get a a reputation where people want to hang out with you 40 minutes after a game um, and see what you have to say. But Chad, so much of that also is going to have to do with like what the, how the quality of the game is. Like I had absolutely no more interest in the Niners and the Texans by like the third quarter. You know what I mean? Like they just like, there was nothing you could tell me as an analyst after the game that I really was going to care about. But if they have some kind of, you know, 27, 24 game where the Chiefs beat the Chargers or something like that, you know, then I'm, then I'm into it. Then I want to know, Hey, like, you know, tell me about this game or, hey, will I get like Mahomes after the game? Yeah, I'm curious. Actually, you mentioned uh, that you you probably wouldn't tune in for the pregame. And I, I feel the same way um, with, with a game like this where you kind of have to seek it out. You got to log into your streaming service at least. Uh, I'm probably just going over for the game. But I wonder if that's going to be different with a game like the the September 15th, the Chargers, the Chiefs, uh, real technical first game that they have whether the anticipation of that one and them getting such a gem right out of the gate will have people sort of looking forward to it all day where they switch over and actually check out that pregame show before the game gets going. But I think in general, you're probably right that uh, if they're going to get any kind of buzz at all, for the most part, especially when the quality of their game isn't great, it's going to have to come after and not before. Austin, did you happen to if you didn't check out any alternative, I don't even know if they actually did. They all, I, I probably I didn't check honestly. I probably should have if they had alternative broadcast on this one. But like, does that interest you? Would you Would you check out Dude Perfect? Would you if um, Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer are back? Would you check that out? Like, does that is is Amazon's alternative broadcasts of interest to you during the year? Absolutely, because I have a ten year old son at home. He watches Dude Perfect on his own. It's going to be an entree for me to watch Thursday night football with him. I've already said, Hey dude, perfect is going to be calling a couple of these games. And he was like, Oh, that's cool. What are they going to be doing? And I'm like, I have no idea, but (laughs) that's kind of how we're going to watch it with him. They'll do some stuff and he'll have the game on. We've watched in the playoffs. We watched that Nickelodeon slime cast together. And he was like, Oh, that's cool with the, with the end zone. It's attracting that younger audience and it's helping me, you know, as a father get to watch football with my son in a different way. Interesting. Okay. And uh, you know what? 
like that you just gave uh you just gave an ad to Marie Donahue because like uh like that is honestly what Amazon like you literally constructed what I guarantee is in a Amazon Prime Sports like uh just collecting uh, board, those Amazon royalties now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so basically like okay, can we get um can we get some viewers by a certain way? I, I you know, again, I, I I know who Dude Perfect are. I don't necessarily think like it's something that uh, I have a little younger, a little younger kids than you, than you, Austin. Um, like I, I don't think it's something that like would drive me per se as a viewer. Forget about the fact that we write about this stuff. But I, I, to me, that's interesting alternative programming in that it's so different than the let's get uh, a couple former coaches or players that like it's worth checking out at least once because you just sort of want to see how it how they pull it off. Um, so that, that, um, that will be interesting to me. Do you have Chad? I'll go back to you. Um, do like, you know, what's realistic you think for this broadcast that we saw, you may have written about it, uh, to, you know, Nielsen is going to, um, Amazon and Nielsen signed a partnership so that these games will be rated. I'll get to you, Austin. I know this is your expertise area. Um, and there's been a lot of writing. I don't know if it was Krupe or O'Rand who said this, but like, you know, Amazon, I think, is promising or they hope to promise advertisers around 12, 12 and a half million viewers. Um, that feels high to me, but what do I know? Um, what, what, what's your expectation? Like, what, like, viewership wise, like, what's a realistic thing you think for people um, this first season watching these games on a, on a streamer? Yeah, they're super confident that they're going to have big viewership. The Nielsen thing was the big tell. Um, yeah, I heard uh, their expectations around 10 million, which is a little bit lower than that, but that's still pretty good. Uh, I think the difference maybe with Amazon and some of the other streaming services like uh, you know Peacock for uh, the baseball games or uh, your Paramount Plus this season uh, simulcasting some of the CBS games um, is that people already have it. Uh, probably a lot more than than those who would uh, have to add another subscription service for, you know, when the NHL uh, signed its package with ESPN and uh, people are saying, well, how do I get ESPN plus? Do I get that through Disney? Uh, so many people, I think, probably have Amazon or Amazon Prime uh, that, that would not have another service. So that's probably beneficial to them as well. But um, yeah, they're, they're, very confident, and, and I'm sure they have all sorts of data that uh, gives them. Right, awesome. Let me be- go to you. By the way, let me give a shout out to Garrett Sloan and Parker Heron of Ad Age. That's where I read the 12.5 uh, guarantee. You may have known that, Austin, but this is again. I- I've said this many times on this podcast. You're one of the foremost sports viewership experts in the entire country. Um, I-, I think that feels optimistic. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too much of a legacy media knucklehead who doesn't think that like um, those numbers will be there first year. What about you? You you study these data every day. Is 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 12.5 million viewers as an average for Amazon's first year? You think that's realistic or or too high? Well, I think you may see that or higher coming out of the gate. Like you said, they got in a very impressive Chiefs Chargers uh, game there to start. A lot of fantasy implications. A lot of playoff implications with a very strong you know, AFC West there. But I mean, yeah, I saw that at age number thrown around the 12, five. I'm kind of inclined to, get, to think it's going to be a little lower over the course of the season, you know, maybe closer to that 10 million number. So you're talking about, you know, compared to last year, that's a 25% loss of the Thursday night audience right off the bat. 
if they can get, you know, to around 12 million viewers in, in that range. I mean, th- that's just a big, it's, it's a big chunk of the audience. And, you know, it's, it might be reflected in the NFL's over. It's going to be reflected in the NFL's overall numbers uh, next, you know, at the end of the season. I mean, only one game on that Fox NFL network package last year got under 12.5 million. It was a probably a, the Jets Colts, uh, you know, classic that everyone loves on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is, I, I kind of agree though with you, Chad, like, and you, Richard, Amazon, everyone kind of has Amazon right now. It's so ubiquitous in terms of what you have on your, on your digital packages. I don't think this is like Apple TV and MLS where it's like, Oh, where's this going? I have to add another subscription or maybe like UEFA with Paramount plus like, you have this, it's well located on the app and on the site. When you go there for the games, it's you know highlighted incredibly well. So we'll see what kind of adoption they get. Yeah. Um, so two last things on Amazon before we get out of there. One, uh, since we, I mean, since this has already been like a name dropping festival on this podcast, uh, I also like the Amy Palachek. I hope I, uh, I've talked to her, but I don't know if I've ever uh, literally pronounced her last name. So I hope I didn't mangle it. But the idiot Houston Texans got rid of her. And she was she was just a, such a well respected NFL PR person, and uh, I was glad to see that she landed with Amazon. So that was a uh, that was an excellent hire. They also got a, uh, a top management guy, Jared Stacy, who I think is uh, is really smart. So again, I know Robert Seidman, our our sports TV ratings buddy, he loves when you when you tell if someone's up or down or to the side or or eighty six degrees. So I think this week we all have Amazon up because. Um, at least as a takeaway, like I, I don't think you could have had a better. Well, I mean, I shouldn't. That's a little too hyperbole. Everybody can always have a better first game, but as a first game, they checked every box. I think they wanted the production was excellent. Alan Kirk sounded big, and the pregame show wasn't a disaster by any means. I just think it's a work in progress. So if you're Amazon coming out of the gate, the NFL, you got to be psyched. I'm sure they, their, their league partners are psyched, and um, and we head to September fifteenth. Uh, and like you said, Chad, that is a great first game. A great, not not a good first game. A great first game. Were you surprised by uh, how easy their chemistry was right yeah. away? Yeah. Because uh, well, you, I mean, he was a. Al's had issues with people. Yeah, before. issues. Of, well, here's my, you want to hear my 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 no bullshit take oh. on this. Okay, here's my no bullshit take for the for you in the audience, for the 13 people listening today. Um, I think that Al is at a point in his life and career. He's what is he? Seventy-seven years old, seventy-six, something, whatever he is. He sounds great. It does age is just a number, as uh, as my buddy Dara Torres would say. Um, he is he 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 is so he's sort of so Mount Rushmore at this point. There's nothing he has to prove in broadcasting. I don't even think going to Amazon off NBC like he's like I'll show those guys like they they got rid of me too early. It's none of that. The guy's got millions and millions in the bank. Like, unless he fucked it up, his grandkids, his great-grandkids are set. So, Chad, to me, I think it's just, like, at this point, like, I think... He's mad. He's yeah, like, it doesn't matter. So, if he likes Kirk Herbstreit, which I just got the impression from our uh, conference call with those guys and just on the air, I think he likes him, and he, I think he respects his, his resume. So, he's going to do everything he can to make Kirk shine and be the... Star. It, Al doesn't have to be the star of this broadcast, right? Like, he's already Al Michaels. I think if you're Kirk Herbstreet, though, I'll, I'll flip it to you, Austin. I think this broadcast is really important because even though you're the number one college football guy at ESPN, maybe the de facto number one college game analyst, there are probably still people out there who are like, why is this college guy in the pros? Um, why was he hired? 
you know, I wish it was Alan Chris or I wish it was Alan Romo. So I think in some ways he has something to prove. This is a new a new employer for him. Um, he would like this money train to continue, undoubtedly. I don't know how much longer the dude wants to do game day. You know, I mean, game day is fun, but at a certain point, if you've traveled 23 times to like Columbus and Ann Arbor, you know what I mean? You've done it. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that new anymore. So I wonder, I think for him, it means something. And I'm with you, Chad. I, I don't know. I thought Al set him up beautifully. I thought Al was so relaxed. Al could talk about gambling now. Um, and the reality is like, the st- I mean, everybody at Amazon is going to say what they're going to stay, but the reality is the stakes are lower. There's not 25 million people watching. Well, does Herbie want to do it? It depends, like you said, on what Herbie wants to do. Like, you know, if you're a college football analyst, almost every week the game that he's going to be calling has real significance to the college season. But do you want to call sometimes Jets, Colts in the late October, early November when neither team maybe have a win or something like that? If, if that's what you want to do, yeah. I don't know. If, do you want to be – I mean – Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I don't know. You want to be 59 years old and and and, get, and, and hopping on a plane quickly out of Gainesville to get to uh, uh, whatever the, the, the college football game is that night? Or do you want to just chill out in the Ritz-Carlton on uh, Wednesday and Thursday in some pro city? Well, he just has this opportunity to be ubiquitous with his sport the way that Dickie V has become to college basketball. Like, I associate – Kirk Herbstreit with like college Absolutely. football. He means college yeah, it's, football. It's a me. great question. Um, I think, you know, I don't think he could do both forever. It's just too much work. But I agree with you that there is something, there is something to being the number one in your sport. Like you can't duplicate that. And Herbstreit would be on the short list of most impactful broadcasters in college football. I think we all agree with that. If not number one, you know, maybe Paul Feinbaum is... Maybe Kirk Herbstreit is, you know, I don't know, maybe Reese Davis. I don't know who it is, but he he it's probably him. Um, so yeah, I I, I and again, I don't really I've talked to Herbstreit a number of times. I can't say I know him at all. Um I, you know, it's not like we Yeah, I, I mean he, there's others probably who cover this stuff who are much closer to them. I, I don't text with Kirk Herbstreit or anything like that, so I can't really say I know him. Did you see Brady McCullough's big piece on him in I the did. LA Times? Uh, I haven't read it. When yet. was that? Should have caught that. Yes, no, I missed I it. Think. Okay, I'll read yeah. that. Yeah, okay. it's over the weekend. Maybe I'll learn something uh, about Kirk. Uh, it's a great question, though. You know, it actually, it's a good leads me to a good segue, Austin. I'll go to you. Um, while, while, you know, realignment isn't going to hit us in college football from the major conferences, like we're not seeing UCLA and USC in the Big Ten for a couple years. And uh, when do Texas, when does Texas arrive in the SEC? Do you know? They're both, I think they're actually slated for 2025, but I imagine they get a deal done to do it a season sooner. So, I'd say all four of those schools that are transferring over uh, Big Ten and SEC, I think 2024 is the most likely scenario. Okay, there. thank you for that update. So that this leads me to this question. Does all the college football offseason news, and my God, there was so much of it. Um, my sense is that increases interest in college football this season, even if we're not seeing those teams in their new conferences. How do you see it? Well, if Northwestern can knock off 1970s stalwart Nebraska to start things <laughs> off, you know, it's going to be a great season. No, um, I, I do agree. I think there'll be more intrigue on that 2024 season. I think you'll do some interesting scheduling things to start where you really highlight USC to the Big Ten or you highlight Texas or Oklahoma to the SEC. And they'll, you know, especially if the SEC does, which I think they will go to that nine game in conference schedule. I mean, the opportunities for incredible matchups there are going to be very, very, very strong. But uh, I mean, this season, it just, I mean, everything you read on, 
preseason rankings and predictions, it's all a fait accompli that it's going to be Ohio State and Alabama in the final again. And, you know, what other usual suspects are going to join them? And that doesn't create excitement. Okay, you want a more level playing field. Yeah, before I get to you, Chad, let me give a shout out to Austin's colleague Michael Smith, who, who did awesome work on the Big Ten. He wrote a fun. He 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 did. He had not only was he, um, not only did he have phenomenal reporting, but he wrote a great great piece on just all the negotiations. Uh, yeah, and I he's read the best. Yeah, and I read stuff in his piece that I hadn't read before. And at the Athletic, we had like twenty seven people on it. So good on Michael Smith to uh, to get some cool stuff. What about you, Chad? Um, you know, Austin is dead on. Like, I think for a for a sports viewership nerd like Austin, 2024 is going to be incredible with all these. I wear uh, that as a badge of honor. No, it is. It's, I'm, I'm praising you. The, uh, um, you know, the, when, when the schools head to the new conferences, the viewership is going to be awesome. But I don't know. I, I mean, again, it could be wrong, but I'm kind of a believer in like when there's like a lot of offseason tumult, I think at least early on, it gets people interested in the sport. So I expect college football viewership early to be up. That's my prediction. Yeah, he's, and he's already got Ohio State and Alabama in the championship. I was just watching Pete Thamel's uh, big piece on Marcus Freeman. I might buy into Notre Dame now, too, a little when they play Ohio State right out of the gate here. But, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the buzz is probably at an all-time high in terms of teams moving around, questions about uh, um, where teams are going to be aligned in the future, and uh, that – it, it may be annoying to traditionalists and people who care about the old time rivalries, but uh, I think to the general college football fan, it probably heightens the interest even more. Chad, let me stick with you. We'll do this real quick. Um, Fox finally made official. It's Urban Meyer hire. Um, Good lord! Right with a uh, with a press con- with a press release that uh, just shouted Urban's praises and a conference call with Urban and all the press. No, I'm sorry, that didn't happen. It was a Friday <laughs> afternoon. I was gonna say, I I that. no, it was a Friday afternoon. <laughs> it was a Friday afternoon dump where Urban Meyer was right. literally mentioned once in the press release. Ah, God bless Fox Sports PR. Um, uh, Chad, we had talked about this a while ago. Um, I'll have a column on it uh, soon on the Athletic. So you know, I, I, I'll save. My my comments for there, people I think already know how I feel uh, about uh, uh, you know what I think is incredibly cynical but unsurprising hire. Um, I guess Chad, I'll ask you this: um, the one a question that I have that's interesting is that they are traveling on the road this year. That show, and while um, while Urban Meyer will obviously be feted and 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 cheered in a place like Columbus. That's not going to be the case elsewhere. That makes it a very challenging broadcast, in my opinion, for the producers and directors. As for how Urban is like perceived by the audience, like we'll see soon enough in terms of, you know, I think people are tuning into that show because they want to watch the game, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. How do you think that goes? Like, forget about whether he should have been hired or not. We all have our opinions on that. But like, how, how do you think it's going to go this year? Because that show is on the road. Yeah, hopefully it uh, goes with a, a lot of tomatoes being thrown as well. No, it, it, uh, they'll shuttle him in like a boxer in the ring, probably. He's there one minute before the broadcast begins and out uh, as soon as the uh, red light comes on. But, uh, you know, we talked about this a few different times about um, whether or not they would bring him back, especially after his debacle with coaching the Jaguars for part of last season. And uh, I, I think we all kind of saw it the same way, which is 
yeah, you got to be cynical about it because he has tremendous star power. He's a superstar of uh, the college football world. And it doesn't even really matter if he's particularly good at the job because he's there for the name recognition. I don't think he's that good at the job, but that really doesn't matter to Fox in this case because uh, he has that name brand that they want in that role. And um, they weren't going to be told not to not to bring him back, no matter how much he might have embarrassed himself in the NFL. He's still a college football deity. Yeah, that's good. Austin, if you want to weigh in, but Fox told you uh, by the hire what they think of his Jaguars tenures, and they told you by the hire what they think of what Courtney Smith and others have said about Urban Meyer. That they've they've told you, and now it'll be up to you as a viewer to decide what you want to do. Uh, Austin, you're much more a part of the college football scene than Chad and I. How do you uh, see this? Well, if, if you didn't watch too much of the pregame show last year, you might not even have known that Urban was gone. I mean, yeah, it was it was not a very long <laughs> tenure down there in Jacksonville. So, um, you know, when I saw the announcement, it was, I don't know, a little bit of an eye roll. Like, okay, I mean, you know, there have been plenty of pregame show rehabilitation efforts. Uh, you know, Alex Rodriguez has his own simulcast now for Sunday Night Baseball. So, if that can happen after the embarrassment he caused Major League Baseball, uh, I guess I could just brush this one off. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Austin, I want to stick with you. Uh, I want to do something real quick on Serena Williams leaving tennis. Uh, This looks to be, we're taping this on Monday, August 29th. Serena will play tonight. Um, So by the time you listen to this, she will either have advanced to the second round or, or her major career will be over. She hasn't formally said she's going to retire, but sort of every indication exists that that this is this is it. If you I feel like if you read between the lines enough in the Vogue piece, you you kind of get it. Um having covered tennis Austin for a long time at Sports Illustrated, like one of the things you do sort of learn is that when you think the sport isn't ever going to have another great star again like Pete Sampras or Andre Agassi or Jimmy Connors, like along comes uh, you know, Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. And when you think, oh man, like the sport will never see the likes of Steffi Graf and Monica Seles again, along comes Venus and and Serena Williams and Martina Hingis, et cetera. So there, there will be tennis after Serena, but I did do um, some number crunching. Um, I wrote about this uh, a couple of days ago, and thank you to Sports Media Watch for always having this. ESPN, the ESPN era of tennis, they owe a gigantic... <laughs> bouquet of thanks to Serena Williams. Her name is like all over their 10 most watched matches ever. She game changed viewership the way Tiger game changed viewership when it comes to golf. When she leaves, at least for, I feel like for a year or two, they're going to take a big viewership hit. How do you see it? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. She has been, she has been like Tiger for them. She has been the needle. When the two of them play, when Venus and Serena would play in the final, that is huge appointment viewing for U.S. sports audiences. You know, so now going forward, like Canacoco Golf. I mean, she's only eighteen. Uh, can she fill that boy? Can Sloane Stevens? Can somebody else come up through the ranks? And it's also, you know, the success that Venus and Serena have had over these last, you know, two decade plus. It's really masked the fact that there hasn't been much on the U.S. men's side 
to keep an eye on since Andy Roddick won. So can an American on either side, men or women, now come and be some sort of ratings magnet, you know, for the for sports viewers, for tennis viewers? That's, you make a great point on the U.S. You know, actually, ESPN's been bailed out that Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal are such global stars that in some ways, like, they didn't need a Sampras or an Agassi, but they will because Roger, at best, has, I think, one year or maybe four or three majors left. Uh, Nadal's body's breaking down, and, you know, Djokovic will be around, but, you know, with all the stuff with COVID, he's not he's not playing in certain majors right now. Oh, so, I guarantee what about you, Chad? Go ahead. I'll say, I would guarantee you most casual sports fans really may not be able to tell you who Taylor Fritz is, you know, that he may be the best U.S. tennis player right now. I, I, I In fact, I guarantee they can't, for sure. What about you, Chad? How do you see any of this? Yeah, I mean, she's uh, one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen uh, has to be spoken of uh, at the very top of that list, uh, no matter the gender. Um, uh, incredibly charismatic personality, a, a natural television draw. And uh, people like that only come around uh, every couple of decades. I mean, it, it's essentially like Tiger Woods and golf. And uh, you can't replace that. And you, uh, even if you did have up and coming young stars, you know, and, and women's tennis does have some, but uh, nothing of her magnitude that there's obviously going to be that huge void to fill in the sport and with television viewership. So uh, I imagine even though, you know, her game isn't what it was once was it uh, ESPN's pretty disappointed to, to see her uh, cutting back, if not entirely walking away. Yeah. Women's tennis has a lot of depth, which is good for the sport, but for U.S. audience particularly, you need stars. That's kind of what sells that sport. And at the moment, uh, in the post-Serena era, like Austin said, they kind of got to hope someone like Coco Goff blows up and, and Raducanu like, gets a lot of the U.S. fans. But I think it's going to be tough for a couple years. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sorry, a couple more here before we get out of here. Um... Austin, I know you saw the news. This is something that I've been writing about, man. It feels like <laughs> for a decade. I'm glad it finally happened. The women's college basketball title game finally moves to ABC. That's going to happen in um, 2023. It'll be Sunday afternoon. You know, my preference, or as a viewer, would have been primetime on Sunday night. Like I, I still don't understand the sort of be so beholden to American Idol, but I get it. Like ESPN and Burke Magnus and people like that, they got to work with you know, the Disney entertainment folks. But this is really good news. Like, and it, and it, it's a larger story in that it's starting to show how much money there is to be made in women's sports. And one last thing, Austin, and then I'll sort of cede it to you. You know, ESPN's had this incredible deal where they've had like all of these non-college football, college basketball championships. I think they had 20, 22 of them or something like that. And they didn't pay a ton. And it does go to show you if some of these properties like women's basketball or women's softball, particularly the college women's world series or women's volleyball, if these things ever uh, split off and just um, went to market as, you know what I mean? Their own championship. 
we're talking multiple millions of dollars. So I'm glad to see this. I think it's a great start. I hope it eventually gets to prime time. But uh, what it's starting to show you, um, which at least those of us have been writing about women's sports for a long time, I think know is that the more promotion, the more better windows for stuff. You can make money on this. I mean, last year's women's championship game uh, drew a shade under $5 million. I mean, that that's NHL Stanley Cup final numbers. No, I'm interested to see, like you said, can it pull that sort of number on a Sunday afternoon? Uh, I would have also preferred to see it in prime time, but like you said, obviously a lot of entertainment options going on there, but it, it is great to see. And it's not just, you know, the Women's Basketball Championship. You're seeing the NWSL Championship get that spot on broadcast TV. You saw earlier this season, back on the college side, things like Women's Gymnastics Finals going to broadcast TV, the NCAA Championship for the first time. And it's getting a really strong audience, like something like close to a million viewers. And that's incredibly popular. And can they continue to grow those sorts of properties and make them money makers on broadcast TV? So, yeah, I want to see more of this. I am very interested to see the audience size. Like you said, they have like 20, almost 24 sports now under that ESPN NCAA deal. And ESPN really gotten a sweet Harvard deal having women's basketball, the women's college world series tied up in that deal. And they're talking to, you know, media, you know, uh, experts out there as they craft their next uh, rights package the NCAA, do they break off something like the College World Series? Do they break off the Women's NCAA Basketball Tournament and sell that on its own? So I'm interested to see that as well, what the future college media landscape looks like vis-a-vis the women's sports. Yeah, you make a great point, Austin. That, uh, that ESPN championship deal, I know everybody talks about how sweethearted deal the CBS SEC football was. That's in the same ballpark, man. They've gotten so much out of it. But I was glad to see that. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people at, uh, behind the scenes at ESPN who do women's basketball have been, like, pushing for that for a long time. People who uh, you've never heard of. Like, you know, when I say you, the collective audience. But then, obviously, front-facing people who you have heard of, like Holly Rowe and Doris Burke and Rebecca Lobo. Like, they've been pushing for this for so long, and uh, it's great to see. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the last one, our last topic, um, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and former Golf Channel president Mike McCarley are launching a sports media and technology company called TMRW Sports. Um, You know, I have said many times on this podcast and certainly in The Athletic and Sports Illustrated, like I am not a big golf person, so it, it doesn't necessarily move the needle for me. That said... It does. Um, it did capture my eye because anytime you have Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy involved in some kind of partnership, I think that's interesting. McCarley has a long history in uh, the broadcast space. He's sort of uh, Dick Ebersole was his mentor. He went to uh, the Golf Channel and um, and now is doing this. And their sort of notion. I'll start with you, Austin. Their their sort of notion is that like primetime golf is like an is an undervalued asset, which I tend to agree with. And is there a way to get like golf in some kind of stadium setting where you can do it 
and sell it to like a network or a streamer or a cable entity at night. And if they could somehow figure this out and like and like not necessarily make it a tour, but make it an event, I think I think they'll get some audience. That's like at least my take on it. Well, if you put Tiger on there, yeah. I mean, it, you saw that you had decent numbers for the match. I guess this is kind of a, the next iteration of that, that head-to-head golf thing, the trying to condense also the length of a golf telecast to make it more exciting. But, you know, it, how contrived is it going to be? How corny is it going to be? Is it going to be more holy moly or is there going to be something a little more serious? So I, I want to see what they do there. I want to see how often Tiger actually kind of shows up and, you know, delivers – that audience because yeah I'll, I'll tune in to see what that that's like what about you i mean i i i don't want to use my own sort of thinking to somehow like think you know i don't want I, whatever my, my bubble is i don't care about like the match like i i you know uh, poor nate smelts and others from turner are always pitching it and like i just i can't get into it and it's just mostly because like i just can't get into like you know tom brady and Tiger Woods playing golf with Charles Barkley and, you know, Rory McIlroy. But I know a lot of people are. Like, I, I get it. Like, that's fun for people. So, conceptually, what do you think of, like, what's sort of being put out into the into the marketplace between Woods, McIlroy, and McCarley? Well, it's just going to be Tiger-driven. I mean, he remains as compelling as ever, um, especially now that he's uh, and, yeah, he's at this point in his career where he's this, – this, sort of a almost a sympathetic aspect to him yeah he, great, he, great 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 out, take yeah yeah out there uh you know battling through the injuries and uh, feel he's more human than he's ever been and uh so i think that's the the, the really the going to be the primary driver of interest if tigers in the background are not involved in a, a front-facing way then uh, it'd be much more much more difficult for them to get any kind of foothold even with you know rory's about as likable a player as there is left on the tour, but uh, he's he's not somebody who's going to drive that. I'm also not going to bet against Mike McCarley. He has serious production chops. Dick Eversall is involved. These guys, these guys know sports TV. Yeah. Just done some things. Yeah. My, uh, my only Mike McCarley memory is uh, when we were 20 somethings in New York, I I did take a, uh, a cab with him when I was absolutely, buzzed if not beyond that and i believe michael carly was <laughs> as well uh but that's a long time time ago he's got evidence yeah. then. Ho- hopefully my, my kids aren't listening don't be doing stuff don't be doing crazy stuff like that kids lastly um i didn't tell you guys i was going to ask you this but i do want to just ask about it and we're going to talk about it much um much longer but the world cup uh is not so far away from us and um you know it's it's interesting the um the 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 competition itself will obviously be incredible. Um, it's a really exciting World Cup in terms of the teams and the countries that are in there. Obviously, we're going to see some of the world's great players, but Qatar is a human rights catastrophe. And again, the cynic in me thinks that like Fox isn't going to go anywhere near this or touch this. But and I'll start with you, Chad. Here's my butt on this. There does seem to be a lot of increased – there has been a lot of increased attention in sort of the quote-unquote mainstream when it comes to human rights violations, whether that's China, whether that's obviously Russia's horrific invasion of Ukraine. And while I understand what 
Fox Sports' strategy is, and they've been pretty consistent. They they've never touched this stuff. They didn't touch it in Russia. I mean, you could you could argue it's a dereliction of editorial duty, and it is. But they're telling you what they're doing. I don't. I I I might be wrong here, but I do wonder if they're going to be able to totally avoid it because it does feel to me that we're going to be reading a lot about this. I think even like this morning in the New York Times, I read like a piece that was sort of specific to like. Um, Qatar and the World Cup, and they're trying to do sports washing here, and they're not going to be able to do it. I guess some of my thinking, Chad, is what we saw with LIV and how the negative PR, I don't think LIV cares, but just so much negative PR, they weren't able to avoid it. And so my thought is that the Qatar World Cup's not going to be able to avoid it, but I've certainly been wrong before. And I, before we get out of here, I just was curious how you guys saw all this. Well, I mean, Fox is notorious for uh, ignoring some details and uh, addressing others. But I think the playbook for how to handle something like this, if you want to be cynical about it and, and just look at it from a PR perspective, is the way NBC handled uh, the Olympics, where they addressed it off the top. Uh, they were pretty um, forthcoming about the issues that were going on there, and uh, then they sort of moved on from it as the games went on. I think that's probably the approach Fox should take, but if I had to bet on it, I would say they probably don't address it at all because that tends to be their mode of operation with a lot of things. I agree. I don't think they're going to address it much. I think the NBC Olympics comparison is a good one. You know, these, you know, what they did with Russia, what they did with Beijing twice, uh, you, you kind of report on things that may be going on in the ground. I mean, if there are logistical nightmares in, in Qatar, during this yeah you can maybe report on that and maybe something builds off of this being a potentially disorganized games i don't know maybe maybe they pull it together um i think they will these organizing committees are usually pretty good about that but we'll see yeah i mean the thing about the world cup the thing about the olympics many many times is with all the awful stuff that's around it so many times the athletes save it you know the game is so great or the competition is so great that's what you're that's what your takeaway is. Is there anything else you guys wanted to uh, touch on before I get you out of here? Oh wow! I didn't. I didn't. I didn't take any shots at John Oran. <laughs> That's broad. Do a whole podcast. You're welcome. Welcome to. I mean, he's got his. Uh, He's he's doing a lot of excellent work. He's got he's got a he's got the he's got a big podcast. That's, that's we, we can't that's complain about the Orioles. I don't, we had business, just we have nothing so. to complain about anymore. I know. What about an Austin Cart, Mike Smith? Uh, Podcast. I'll mention that to him. I'll mention that to him. Or uh, <laughs> who's your who's your motorsports writer? Adam Stern. Adam Stern, who was on this pod. Yes, Adam Stern was on this podcast not too long ago. I don't know if you happen to know this, uh, Austin. Maybe you do. Maybe Adam's done like conferences and stuff. That guy is phenomenal on He's podcasts. Good. Or at least he was on mine. He's really just he's smart, well spoken, quick, sharp. That's the guy I would build my podcast network around if I was. Uh, if you Amen. don't know Adam, Adam free, is a free hustler of the best variety. So full respect, Adam. There you go. All <laughs> right. Once again, Chad, great broadcast scouting by me. Um, all right. Chad Finn, sports media writer for the Boston Globe, general columnist for the Boston Globe, sadly going to be chronicling some of the uh, the ugliest uh, 32 days left of the baseball season for the Boston Red Sox. My God, that's not going to be fun, Chad. For such a great, such yeah, a great city, you deserve you, better. They're either first or last. There's, uh, there's no middle with them. True, Ricky Bobby Chad, you have any quick? Pred- Chad, I'm going to have you on again. But do you have any quick predictions for the Patriots this year? What would be your record if you had to predict? 
Ah, uh, boy. Yeah, they, they haven't looked good. Uh, changed it up their offense Seven quite and a ten? bit. And eight and nine? Uh, I think they're going to go nine and eight, okay. but uh, miss the playoffs. And, and uh, uh, Mac Jones is legitimately good. He's They got that draft pick right. Austin, you want me? I know you're in the Carolinas. You want to make a pass? Uh, you know, we'll see which Baker Mayfield decides to show up on Sunday or two Sundays from now. That doesn't sound like a numerical prediction. Hi, yeah, uh, uh, Panthers. I wanted, I wanted out, I wanted tape so I, I can go back I, to I you in January. Panthers at eight and eight, or, oh God, don't call it nine and eight. Thank, no, thank you're the new NFL schedule. You I'll go nine, nine and eight. Glass half yeah. full. <laughs> All right, and I, I'll go fourteen and three for the Buffalo Bills. That's my uh, prediction. Um, all right, Chad Finn. I've already given his uh, credentials. Austin Carp. Managing editor slash digital sports business journal and uh, check out all of their fine work. Uh, that's an excellent publication. Check that out. Austin, Chad, always great to catch up with you guys. Thank you for joining me on the sports media. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Austin Carp and Chad Finn for uh, coming on. As uh, they're always generous with their time, and it's much appreciated. If you like these kind of uh, conversations, head to the archive page. Uh, this week, we also have uh, how to create the top podcast in your sport. A conversation with David Law. Matt Roberts and Catherine Whitaker of the Tennis Podcast. So the tennis fans and the Williams fans, uh, that's one to check out. Uh, did a emergency podcast with um, Stu Mandel on the Big Ten announcing their $8 billion deals with Fox, CBS, and NBC. Uh, Rise of the Black Quarterback, what it means for America, a conversation with Jason Reed. Appreciated him. What happens next with Brittany Greiner? Had uh, hostage policy expert Dr. Danny Gilbert come on, as well as TJ Quinn, who's done a great job covering that story. For ESPN, Joe Buck on Vin Scully. Really appreciate Joe Buck coming on and, uh, and giving some great uh, memories and insight into Vin Scully. Again, if you're into sports media, there should be uh, things uh, in the archives that uh, remain evergreen for you. Hope you check it out. Um, I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work, and uh, he's been grinding these podcasts out lately. So thank you very much, Patrick. Thank you to everybody at Cadence 13 for uh, their support and help. And thank you, most of all, for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.